Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Hey everybody, welcome to Let Me Introduce You, a film and friends podcast where three friends from film school will introduce, oh, best friends, I'm sorry, yes, of course. Okay, the Sure. Where three friends from film school, three best friends, will introduce movies to each other that at least one of us has not seen, and so I am one of your Absolutely spectacular hosts. My name is Katie. I'm the humble one. I'm Graham. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the ginger one. I'm Ashley. Ooh. I'm ginger. You're spicy. Yeah. So that's the the three of us, and we are here today in the second episode of our L O V E love Whoa. series, where we discuss movies about romance and a, a little primer before we talk about this week. So this week was my pick. And to, to listeners who have been a part of our podcast for a while, you all know that romance is not my strong suit. I struggle to pick a romance film or a film about love uh, that Ashley and Graham had not seen before. And it was really tough. And my original choice was the 1980 Richard Matheson film Somewhere in Time, starring Christopher Reeve, Jane Seymour, and Christopher Plummer. Now, it was it was the first movie I could think of that had to do with romance. And, uh, you know, it's sci-fi and time travel and all that. And I knew they hadn't seen it because it was old. But <laughs> I watch old movies. <laughs> you, but I know you hadn't seen this. I, I used to watch old movies. And so I was like, it was the first one that stuck in my head. We had just talked about Richard Matheson for I Am Legend. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such a moron. I should have picked Dead Alive. So that's what we are going to be talking about today. The 1992 Peter Jackson directed and written amazing movie, Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead. It's partly my revenge movie for these two making me watch romance movies. Let me, excuse me. You, gonna, you liked Trick. Gonna, I did like Trick. It's it's more revenge for next week's movie. Oh, yeah, we'll I was going to say, I'm going to get you next week. So. We're going to get to the I end. know, it's more revenge for next week's movie. Preemptive but, revenge. But this still counts. We've, we've got, you know, there's there's love at the, at the core of this, but this film is generally regarded as the bloodiest film ever made. It had 300 liters of blood were used in the production of this film, and it is one of my all-time, all-time favorites. So, Ashley, would you do the honor of giving us a synopsis of Dead Alive? I will say, you you pivoted today, so we have I all did. watched this within the past. It's very fresh in all of our minds it's, right now. It's Real fresh. Like, <laughs> the bodies yeah, I, are not? I, I don't know how to describe this very well. Okay, so Dead Alive opens in, I believe we're in Sumatra, and this white guy is trying to steal this red monkey rat, and he's having trouble with the indigenous people there who are saying, you can't, you can't take him, and ends up taking the monkey, but it scratches him, and enough of the like 
people who are native to that country who are helping him get so freaked out by what the like indigenous jungle people are saying, they start to chop off every part of his body that has been scratched by this monkey, which is all of his limbs and his head. So that's how we start this film. This is a love story, by the way. This is a love story, by the way. It is a love story. I promise. Cut to Wellington, New Zealand, where we see Paquita, who works in her father's little, like, bodega grocery store, and Lionel, who we find out is a perpetual mama boy's bachelor, is coming in to order some food and... Uh, some some groceries to be delivered. And then Paquita's grandma, older relative somehow, like reads tarot cards and says that she's going to fall in love with someone and whatever. And so Paquita delivers the groceries to Lionel through a misunderstanding, because I don't believe English is Paquita's first language. Paquita, although cleverly, gets him to ask her out to the zoo Lionel's mom, Vera, being so jealous, stalks them at the zoo, gets bitten by this red Sumatran monkey, and goes home. Next day, she basically starts falling apart slash turning into a zombie. I'm, I'm going to go with zombie, yeah. even though it's yeah. like kind of viral. And they're zombies. It breaks they a lot zombie. of, yeah, it breaks a lot of like our typical zombie tropes that we're aware of. I literally forcefully gagged during a scene in which Vera's ear falls off into her custard and then she eats eats it. Oh oh yeah yeah we'll we'll talk I'm sorry, about I'm that. Just choking back my, another gag. One of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the whole movie. And just from then on, I don't really know how much plot or story really goes, but it just grows increasingly absurd with how the zombies are starting to take over Wellington and yet Paquita and Lionel are still like he's trying to still protect her but Lionel's like actually trying to tranquilize them instead of trying to figure out how to kill them and it culminates in this scene with like a 100 foot tall weird mutant version of his mom who like reabsorbs her absorbs Lionel in the womb and then Lionel fights his way out and like 300 liters of fake blood just pours out of her and Lionel and Paquita, they're in love. They they made it. <laughs> there are literally are. like I can't even I can't even describe it. Except for the fact that I read on IMDB that Eli Roth said that this is one of the only films to quench his thirst for blood. And I think it is actually the movie made with the most blood ever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And then there is a cool scene with a priest who says, I kick ass for the Lord. So you get to yeah. see him doing stuff. Yes. But like, yeah. I mean. That for, is, that is, yeah. Yeah. Well, you. I will say two things that I, that we hopefully will focus a lot on in this episode is one, zombie baby. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, the zombie and baby. Two, lawnmowers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, we hopefully, Katie, we will be discussing yes. those two specifically at yes. some point today. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> like a campier, weirder, not quite as good, Evil Dead. Yes. Let's so, talk about that. Thank you, Ashley. That is that is a very good assessment of the ridiculousness that is this movie. Katie's version of a romance. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes. It is a romance. <laughs> I Which do, I'm so glad you picked There it. was. So a big part of Akita is that she 
wants to fall in love. She's basically super hard up for a man. She consults her grandmother and with the tarot cards, and the grandmother says there should be one romance, and it shall last forever. So Pikita is just, you know, st- stunningly skilled at getting Lionel to go out with her. And so, yeah, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. I'm so glad I thought of it, albeit last minute. So, yeah, so Graham, do you want to tell us a little bit how it did at the box office? And I then will. I would love your, your opinion, as because yeah. both of you just saw this for the first time. So this opened Valentine's Day weekend, obviously. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah, it's actually well romance. Mm-hmm. In 1993. Okay. It was 92 in, in New Zealand, but it came out here in 93. And it didn't make a lot of money. It was it was a bomb. No, it, it made in the U.S. It made two hundred and forty thousand dollars. So it wasn't really. It, it remained a limited release, its whole tenure in, in the office, in the box office. I will say when I saw it at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, Trimark Pictures, the defunct Trimark Pictures." <laughs> but the weekend it came out was stacked. Here are all the films that came out the weekend it opened: Groundhog Day. Whoa. Summer's Bee, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, <laughs> Untamed Heart, The Vanishing, Loaded Weapon 1, a National Lampoon's movie. Oh my god, the I love Temp, that movie. Love Field, Strictly Ballroom, <gasps> and Cemetery Club. So wow. 10 other movies came out this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it had a lot to compete with. And I think it was only in three theaters when it first opened. But yeah, so it only made $240,000 at the United States box office. Interesting, and it, it had a $4 million budget, and like Graham said, it was released in New Zealand first under the title Brain Dead, which is what a lot of people know it as, but due to some copyright issues, it had to have another name, so it was released in the U.S. under the name Dead Alive. Okay, so, but why do you love this so much? Why did you pick this for us? Yeah, I need a, I need a foundation from Katie, because <laughs> apparently you discovered this while we were living together. I sure did. So... Thank you, Graham. So let me tell you a little bit why I picked this movie, uh, you know, revenge aside, because I swear that is not the origin of why I picked it. I genuinely love this movie. I, first of all, you guys know I love practical effects, and this movie is chock full of them. So it's got animatronics, it's got stop motion animation, it's got amazing, like, just sculpture work, and it's just so over-the-top disgusting that... I, I love it, it and it's 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 funny to me. Like I, as I'm watching it and I'm rewatching it, it's making me laugh. And like the scenes where there's like this huge amount of gore, like like the scene where the greaser zombie Void shoves the spoon through his own mouth as they're eating, and into the back of his head, and he starts like whining that he can't eat his food as as the zombie Vera, like I'm, I'm laughing. At the whole thing, it like when While the guy there's like Lionel a scene where a guy trying to feed zombie nurse McTavish through the hole in her neck because she's basically mm-hmm. been beheaded, yet yes. still somehow alive, breaking lots I of don't, zombie. Uh, uh, I don't rules. know why it makes me laugh, but it super duper does. And I yeah. first so I saw Evil Dead in college for the first time, and I you know of course love Evil Dead, love Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell is. Absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah, also yeah, a snack. Is. And so I saw this movie for the first time when Ashley and I were living in London. I actually bought the R2 
DVD, Brain Dead. I actually, I have it. I bought an R2 regionless DVD player so I could play this. Oh, I did that with other things that we bought in London. Yeah, yeah, because I loved it so much. But it's not the first time I heard about it. I remember seeing the cover to this VHS in the local video store in my hometown when I was a kid. So the video cover for the US release has nothing to do with the movie. It's a woman and her mouth is open and inside her mouth you see a skull with like eyeballs peeking out. And I remember seeing that as a kid because I would just like loiter around the horror section just to like ogle the covers and be like, oh, I wonder what this is. So I remember seeing it from then. like eight-year-old Katie is just wandering the horror aisles. Oh my God. Yeah, my mom would be like picking some movie and I'd just be walking through the horror aisle because I was like, ooh, what are these look cool? (laughs) So I, I watched it in college and I thought it was so funny and so brilliant and it just made me laugh and it, it turned me on to very early Peter Jackson. You know, it just, it, it just got a part of me that is what I love about really gory horror movies and made romance palatable for me. So, <laughs> Graham, what, what, was, what did you think as, as someone who... I Actually, I was very nervous about even seeing if you guys wanted to watch this movie because it is so out of your wheelhouse. I was like, they're going to hate me. They're not going to be able to watch it. They're going to have to turn it off. So, Graham, what did you, what did you think? So, I wish you could have just observed me watching this movie. <laughs> you should have filmed yourself. Or, or at least during it, Brandon was in the bedroom reading with, and and every few minutes he, he heard, Katie! <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> there was the... As the gore started happening, I got very vocal on the couch, and Phoebe probably thought that there was something wrong with me and kept jumping in my lap. I'm like, no, girl, I'm fine. That being said, I fucking loved this movie. What? Really? Shut up. Did you I loved it. It was so over the top. It it created a world where anything was possible in terms of gore. I could not believe what I was seeing most of the time. The hu- I think what made it really palatable for me was because it was disgusting. Yeah. But it was so funny. And and the the dinner scene that you're, the breakfast scene you were just talking about with like the spoon through the head mm-hmm. and that I was sitting there being like this is vile. But I'm obsessed with it. Yes. And the amount of just blood and gore and guts and I am shocked that I loved it as much as I did like I'm like I'll watch it again like it is and and, you know I thought also (laughs) the interactions between like Paquita and Lionel were really sweet and it it makes absolute sense that you picked this movie (laughs) but my god what a freaking what a, I can't even describe this movie, but I <laughs> fucking loved it. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, it, it's I funny. have much more to say, but yes. I, yeah. This yes, is like I, that I, time I when I'm like, I missed it, right? Like, everybody else is in on this joke, and I didn't get it. I think I took it too seriously. I think I was approaching it too much from, like, a filmic perspective and not just enjoying it 
for the camp and the absurdity. Did you not see the camp, though? Oh, I saw it. I was just like, Meh. You know, I just, I think, I think it was partially tainted because, Katie, you had shared a couple of years ago for 30 Days of Horror, you shared, like, this amazing list with me. And Bob has seen at least, like, 75% of the things on the list, but I'm pretty sure you put Dead Alive on there. Yeah, and, I probably did. And he was like, oh, what's this movie that, that Katie was talking about? And so he... Pulled an illegal copy off the internet because it's still like not on D, like it's not currently in a DVD. Yeah, so or, like, it's, it's not, not streaming. It's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, it's not streaming anywhere. You can't really rent it. They haven't re-released it in years. Like Peter Jackson was talking about reissuing his early horror movies because this is his third film. He first did Bad Taste and then Meet the Feebles and then this, and they're all very campy, very over the top horror movies. And then of course. You know, he goes on to make other stuff, but they've not re-released this, even though they've talked about it. So it was really, it's really hard to find. the The way we all watched it is the full movie is on YouTube, so yeah. it's it's not the best copy. Yeah. Like sound cuts out and stuff. Yeah, sound cuts out at the beginning for like a minute, and then a little bit later on. Yeah. So if you're watching it on YouTube, just like, don't worry, it comes back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Ash, like it's it's hard to find. Yeah. It just. Yeah, I think it was just colored from Bob's perspective. Like, he tried to watch this a few months ago, and he was like, um, no, this is terrible. And he just has, like, a very specific... Not, not necessarily specific, because he'll watch bad horror. But for him, I think he just doesn't like a lot of campy horror. And so he actually came home from work right as I was beginning to watch it. And so we watched it together, I will admit... After seeing the scene with the custard and truly gagging, I had to be on my phone a little bit to just, like, not feel sick. But then, I mean, as much as, I mean, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of practical special effects. And I totally see why Katie loves this, right? Like, there is just so much planning and artistry that has to go into it. And then yet at the same time, like, I wanted it, I still wanted it to be realistic, gore and I was like the blood seems a little too opaque and a little too bright and it's like I think I just took the wrong perspective in watching it and you know and then I've got like Bob on the side taking taking pot shots being like you know blah 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 did this better I don't remember exactly what he said you know (laughs) I don't know I mean it is good that in the last I think in the last year I finally saw Evil Dead and so I see the ways that this film was influenced by that but yeah, I want to know more about like the making of it and like what else do I get influenced well, by and who's been influenced I by this? More than happy to to talk about it. So this movie was written by Stephen Sinclair, Francis Walsh, and Peter Jackson. So Peter Jackson, everybody knows, he also directed this movie. You know, he'd go on to direct a litany of blockbusters. We all know who Peter Jackson is. I yeah. know. I'm gonna yeah. say, but <laughs> he's also the Undertaker's assistant, making a little cameo. Yes. He sure was, which is similar to his character from Meet the Feebles. But the movie that he followed this was uh, with was Heavenly Creatures, mm. which he and Francis got an Oscar nomination. That's so good. Fra- that, is, that is some good stuff. It's so interesting because, I mean, this is, granted, special effects and practical effects are, are incre- in my opinion, pretty incredible. But it's a pretty, I mean, it's a low budget. It's a $3 million movie. And for them to hand jump to Heavenly Creatures then the frighteners then lord of the rings like it's 
those are it's he goes from like this to really I guess the word I want to use is slick filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely bigger, tightened yeah. up. Yeah, but it's just like this jump of like three million dollars, and then seven years, six years later, he starts production on a three hundred million dollar Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's fascinating. Yeah, and that I film know. is gorgeous. Yeah. And the funny thing too is the I, the reason I like so in my house I think I mentioned before we like to do marathons of different directors because you get to see their styles and like their signatures and you get to see a lot of that stuff with Peter Jackson here so anyone who's seen Lord of the Rings King Kong even Frighteners which by the way one of my also all time favorite movies I love Frighteners is Frighteners, the love one Frighteners. With Michael J Fox. Yes. Oh yeah, I watched yes. that in the last year. That's actually good. It's so good. Also, there was a shout out to King Kong in the first scene of this movie because they're on Skull Island. Yeah. Yes, he did that on purpose. And then later, yeah. when he did King Kong, he had like a box that said like Sumatran Rat Monkey. Yeah. But a lot of his like signature stuff is like you know the zoom shots to like a super close up. The, those those like super zoom reaction shots, and of course like gore that like he doesn't pull any punches. Like, there's no cutaways. There's nothing that's like... There's there's no Alfred Hitchcock assumed things here. You all... You see every single thing on camera. And that's that's part of what I love about him. And uh, Stephen Sinclair, he also did Meet the Feeble... He also wrote Meet the Feebles and Lord of the Rings Two Towers. And Frances Walsh, she is Peter's partner. You know, she collaborated on Heavenly Creatures... And she she also worked on Frighteners, Lord of the Rings. They both had, share the Oscar for Return of the King. So, you know, this movie would go on to produce Oscar winners, which is kind of funny. And that's so fascinating about it, because who could have predicted of what he would eventually make, you know, from this, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the fun part, too, is when I tell... When a lot of people say that they like Peter Jackson or they talk about him, nobody even really thinks about at least these three first gore movies, you know, and, and I think Dead Alive is, is the best out of all three of them. But $3 million budget. I think I said four before. It's $3 million yeah, it came budget. Under, he made it come under budget. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. So then they went, when they uh, it came under budget, they made the scene with the baby in the park. <laughs> so absurd. I, why would you? Katie. Why would you take a zombie? <laughs> first off, zombie baby, and then like, why would you take a zombie baby out and then barbed wire on the the what is that thing called stroller? The the pram, yeah. So the back the backstory is two of the zombies that that he brings home and to tranquilize get horny for each other. The nurse and, and the priest and the priest like and they have sex. And um, I'm sorry, the nurse literally kids. sucks his entire face off. They're making out. She got hungry. She needed a snack. So and he was a birth. snack. They mm-hmm. give birth to this this baby. <laughs> yes. So the zombie baby. Let's talk about it the zombie. It was like baby. a weird, fucked up, not quite Chucky. But those were like parallel development, right? Like around the same yeah. time. It was like a mix of Chucky and a critter. Remember those movies? The yes. Movies? Yes, critters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they basically made this little asshole baby who's a just a real dickhead. And, like, he would, like, you know, try to, like, eat other children in the park. And then he would whine when he didn't get his way. And then, like, have this evil little giggle when he was like, oh, I'm going to go eat someone. Yeah. <laughs> and I think... Katie, eat someone. Uh, and so the, the, the guy who plays Lionel, I, I, his name escapes me. Timothy Balamé. So, first of all, I kind of, like, thought he was a snack, too. Yeah, he's cute. He gets more handsome when he gets a little more disheveled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's... His physical humor with that baby 
because it's just him swinging this baby yeah. or, like baby doll around acting like it's attacking him in the park i was laughing so hard <laughs> yeah so i was that's one of the things when i was watching this because i'm like i'm trying to watch it through a romance lens and timothy Bellman, who does play lionel is he's just that classic charmingly befuddled man you know he's he's very clumsy he knocks over a lot of stuff he do, he seems very inept he doesn't seem like he's dated a whole lot of people before so i yeah he just did a wonderful job he he's done some shorts and some TV work since, and he, he went on to do mostly theater work. So it's interesting. one yeah, one was... synopsis I read referred to him as an oppressed bachelor. Yeah. Well, because his mother is very demanding. Extremely oh God, demanding. And I love I love Vera so much. So it's interesting that I was looking in about other people who were in the cast, thinking you know how many had been in Lord of the Rings, and there were a few. Mm-hmm. So Vera was had a bit part as a hobbit in the first Lord of the Rings movie. Yes, she and did. Elizabeth Moody. Yes, yes. And the other woman who with glasses who makes it towards the end of the movie. Rita, <laughs> um, yeah. Rita <laughs> is the a casting baby was rips the... her head in half and oh just God. comes through. That was wild. I thought she was gonna make it. I was sad that she died. Well she got bit. She did, but she was a casting director for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Like so, like some of these people stayed within the the Peter Jackson family. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I wish Diana Penelavere. Please excuse me. I'm I'm not pronouncing her name correctly. She plays Paquita. She she hasn't also done too much. Yeah. So it's it's funny that who has gone on to continue stuff and who hasn't, especially when you consider how far Peter Jackson and Francis Walsh went after this movie. But, okay, so we've, we've mentioned it a little bit. Let's talk about the special effects. So, like I said, this had a very small budget, $3 million. Despite that, though, it earned more per screen than Batman Returns, which came out in 1992 in New Zealand. So the special effects were done by Bob McCarran and Richard Taylor, and Jackson created some of the miniatures himself. And Ashley, you mentioned a lot of the stuff looked really red or really, like, viscous. That's because a lot of the gore was made with apple pulp and maple syrup. Okay, I was going to say, yeah, viscous is such a great word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's gross. Like, everything from... So, so some of my favorite scenes are the, the eating scenes. The breakfast that Vera has with the WLWL, where you're talking about where she eats the, her own ear that falls in the custard. And her blood spills into another guy's custard uh-huh. and he eats it without... <sighs> It doesn't it. spill. She shoots it she into shoots it in the other. Oh, yeah. They were having a really nice meal before that. I was like, <laughs> I can get behind they- beans. Where is the toast? You know, like that looked like a great <laughs> breakfast. Yeah, it's that eating scene and then the breakfast eating My scene. My God, that scene, Katie. First of all, just just because the, the zombies are so vicious and so crazy. And then, and then he's just like feeding them eggs. He's like, all right, you know, hey, you need to eat, you know. Yes, <laughs> they're just yes. like sitting there, like. Arr. I know. I mean, and we we talked about the park scene. He so Lionel takes the baby of the nurse and the priest to the park for like a day out. So he's he's very caring. He doesn't want to kill day out. any of them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that I that I loved about it. Also, we we haven't talked about the priest too much. So the oh priest God. gives priest. us. The priest gives us the most iconic line from this movie, which is, I kick ass for the Lord. Oh, it was amazing. If you say that, I love that. People 
Everyone knows that line from this movie. While he's in the middle of doing, like, kung fu or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So the... It's it's ridiculous. And that's one of the things that, that makes this movie stand out to me is that... So, there are a lot of horror movies out there that aim to be bad. They aim to be campy, and they just wind up being god-awful. They're either boring, or you can tell they're trying to be over top. It's like when someone's trying to be funny, they're not funny. And to me, this one rode the line of making a campy movie, and it was friggin' hysterical. Yeah. Can you think of examples of, of that? Oh, sure. My yeah. my classic example, which I also try to watch around this time, and I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, is Jesus Christ Vampire Slayer. So that's can't be in a bad way. That is so friggin' yeah. bad. <laughs> it's just it's just boring. But yeah, it's got it, it's exactly like the title sounds. You've got Jesus Christ and he hunts lesbian vampires and tries to kill them and it's also lesbian. a musical. Why does Jesus hate lesbians? I don't well, know. Why do they have to be lesbians? They it, <laughs> they shoved everything they could in this movie because they're like, oh, we'll pack it all in there. And Honestly, if you want a problem solved, you get a lesbian to help you. I agree. They're problem solvers. True. I know. If you want to <laughs> get, get rid of anyone, you get rid of the, like, <laughs> cis hetero white men. I mean, that's yes. really who's fucking up our world. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's Where's that. Where's Jesus so- Christ, white cis has... Wait, white, <laughs> white cis had manslayer. That's what I want to see. Dear God. I mean... It's prob- Sci-Fi Network is probably in on it right now. Well, that's now. what I was going to say. I'm like, some of the Sharknado stuff or all, like those kind of movies are campy in a way that I just find kind of boring. It's lazy camp, probably. Yes. Right? Whereas yes. this, I think... Sharknado is entertaining. Okay. Well, Sharknado, sure, but any of the like 12,000 that followed it yeah. were not. I think that there's just like a skill here that those films don't have where, I mean, Peter Jackson just makes you... At some point, I just sat back and I was like, anything is going to happen, and I have to expect that. Like, I think for me, the part that I fully was like, I, all right, I'm in, is when they're at the zoo, and the mother just, like, stomps the rat to death with her heel. Yes. And it's so crazy. Yeah, the it's little, 20 minutes the in. eyeballs pop out. And I'm just like, What? you know what i really violated my own rule that i've talked about where the first 15 to 20 minutes sets up the world of the story and you just have to buy into it and i just i didn't do that talk a little bit more about like the different types of special effects because i want to hear girl like you love practical special effects so because the rat creature was stop motion yes and then you have all of this like blood on the humans and then you have this one monster that's stalking Lionel that's like nothing but lungs and esophagus yes and kidneys oh god the the in, the entrails is one of my favorite things okay so easy that remind anyone from Spaceballs when it pops up out and, yeah. and it, the the alien does a little dance yeah. a little bit so <laughs> yes like Graham mentioned there's a there's you know several different types so you've got the Sumatran rat monkey at the start and he is stop motion animation and he's gross and he is introduced when Paquita and Lionel go to the zoo and one of the regular monkeys throws an apple at Paquita and then the rat monkey kills the regular monkey by ripping its arm off and eating it and that whole scene is stop motion animation yeah he kills it and then you get the puppet where Vera gets bit by the rat monkey and kills 
the Sumatran, Sumatran rat monkey. Then you've also got later in the movie, you've got a bunch of like, it's a combination stop motion animation, animatronics, and just practical special effects. So there's a scene where one of the, there's a big party at the end where Lionel's uncle decides that he is going to inherit Lionel and Vera's house after Vera's death. He blackmails so Lionel. He sure He's does. Like, oh, I won't call the cops if you give me all the money in the house. The uncle discovers the bodies in the basement, and he yeah, doesn't well, see that there's his, zombies. His spine is ripped out. It's a good thing. His <laughs> spine is ripped out, and he's created like this spine head monster thing. Yeah. But one of the best things in the scene near the end is the entrail monster. So the greaser zombie named Void, Lionel gets him into the house when he when he goes to dig up his mother from her grave. And the mother kills Void by pulling, (laughs) he's peeing on her grave. And so she reaches up and and grabs his bits and pulls him down and kills him. His dick, Katie. His dick. This is an adult. (laughs) We have an explicit rating for a reason. (laughs) And so Lionel keeps him, keeps Void in the basement because he doesn't really want to, he doesn't know what to do. And at some point, Void is ripped in half. That was and, so impressive when he's like uh-huh. crawling and you can see his spine. Oh my god, that was well done. Yeah. There's a few. There's a few that are really good. There's one guy that's like he's trying to get away from the from the zombies and he's pulled through a door and by the time he's pulled yes. his other half is just skeleton legs. Yes. It's been eaten. Yeah. Yep, and so you see him come back later, but the entrails come out when Void is attacking Lionel in a bathtub and Lionel keeps banging his half of a body on the edge of the bathtub, causing all of his entrails to fall out. And the entrails themselves create a new monster, which, so like, you know, you got the intestine coming after like a big snake, but there's a moment where the, they, they see them, the entrails see themselves in the bathroom mirror and like adoringly look at themselves. And it's, it's like, these are all real things that happen in this movie. And like, those kinds of just like sudden wisps of humor. I mean, the, it's meant to be humorous, but like that kind of like beat elevates that scene so much. Yes. It also reminds me of the scene where they're embalming Vera, oh my God. At, and 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 like the pus is just like coming out of her, and it's so disgusting. And I guess it's Peter Jackson as the um, like the embalmer's assistant. Yeah, who eats um, the sandwich. He's just like eating a sandwich. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, like literally. He like picks the sandwich up off he's of like, okay. Vera after she's exploded with the embalming fluid. He's like, fluid. okay, and he just like gets up and eats a sandwich, and he's like, like put it in the, her body. I'm like, this is disgusting. I fucking love it. And then like and then the um the mortician. Thank you. I was like, what's that word? The mortician is like, we have to get this up there. So he takes his fingers in a V and puts them on her eyes, and then taps his other hand on top of it to put her eyes back in her head. Her eyes had popped out. <laughs> so weird but like this obviously all culminates in in the party scene where Mm -hmm. the the monsters the the zombies get out because we should say he think he thinks he kills them with poison yes right and he buries them and they're like yay we're good but it turns out the poison is like animal stimulant which makes the zombies, like, super powerful. Yes. <laughs> so Paquita comes over. She sees Lionel's mother and the nurse and the priest and the greaser in the basement. And they poison them, and she thinks that she's killed him because she <clears throat> she stays with him because she thinks he's her destiny. And 
you know, they bury them. It's like, okay, all good. But they all come back to life. They're super powerful and they kill everyone at this party. It's a fucking bloodbath. It is a bloodbath. And I, I would be remiss without mentioning the lawnmower. So crazy, iconic, 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 iconic. Yes. Yeah, so I had heard about the lawnmower in some movie. I didn't realize did it you was really? this movie. And I remember there was a subtle shot of a lawnmower earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. just the blade. I'm like, oh, this is that movie with the yes. lawnmower scene. He yes. had to clear the blade because it wasn't working earlier when he was oh, cutting the lawn. Dog was eaten. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't really see it. His mom yeah. does eat a dog earlier. Yeah. And then like but... the tail, and the rest gets pulled out of her. Just mm-hmm. So disgusting. Oops. It's so That's gross. A... But so the Again, lo- this is a love story. It mm-hmm. is. Yes, because this is romance. Pa- Paquita <laughs> and Lionel have to fight with each other. For, so for some reason, Paquita is super obsessed with Lionel. She's in it. She's in it to win it. Because, yeah, she, she, her grandmother saw it in the tarot cards, so she is... She believes she that. Is, she's a true believer. She sure does. And they, they walk off into the sunset together. She's a badass. I mean, she starts... Put, putting body parts in a blender for to like yeah, <laughs> stave off these monsters. She is there to fight. In fact, the lawnmower, which winds up being essentially as iconic as Ash's chainsaw from Evil Dead, the way he defeats the hordes and hordes of partygoers that have now turned into zombies is he upends a lawnmower and just just shoves it into everybody and kills them it's, all. And like you see it. You yes. see it, the blade chopping off hands and faces and everything. He goes through the whole crowd once and turns around. They're like still more. He goes, all right, coming back. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It's so good. But then, but then Vera, super-powered Vera, comes out, and she's this giant Muppet. Like. Yeah, so, so let, let's talk. So at the end of the party... Lionel and Paquita have now lawnmowered through all of the zombies. They think everything's okay, but they have not seen his mother yet. The mother that not only hated Paquita, wanted to keep Lionel to herself, but you wind up learning that Vera killed Lionel's dad and his lover. Mm -hmm. Kept her body in the attic. And kept her body in the attic. So, yeah, so Lionel and Paquita have, have killed everybody, but they haven't seen his mother yet. Mm-hmm. Until you see her giant hands and her fingers with the giant big nails, and she's, Vera's the one who despines her brother. Yeah. And, yes, you get the big, the only talking zombie, the huge, like, giant boobs, big butt, skull head. There's no way to properly describe this. <laughs> no. This this creature you truly have to see it because like i i thought i thought we were just gonna see in like bits and pieces of it and then they show the whole thing walking up the stairs this is a massive practical effect and i was really kind of in awe i was totally in awe of it yeah that's the thing too and like i mentioned before like they don't pull any punches they show everything and that's why i'm like i'm surprised they actually came in under budget because this Seems pretty like they did a good job. Lionel confronts his mother, and like Ashley mentioned, she opens her womb and she says, "No one will ever love you as much as your mother." So creepy. And she gets he gets sucked back in, but he defeats her with the the 
the star and the moon necklace, necklace. Yeah. that is a protectant from Paquita and Paquita's grandmother. So yeah, and then and then they walk off into the distance, hand in hand, drenched in blood. Do you think they'll stay together? Yes, they've been through trauma, and they they stuck with each other. My God! <laughs> Again, who says romance is dead, y'all? Because this, well, people are dead, but <laughs> not Peter Jackson. But they weren't in love. They weren't in love. It was oh, they were yeah. the only two in love, and they survived. Oh my God! Yeah, Maybe. the zombie that was just lust to make that baby. I think, and the baby, I mean, the baby may have survived. The baby was shown in the fire at the end. It's still alive, so. But it was in the woman's head. Sure. Right? Yeah, Didn't but it, it, no, it put... came out. Oh. Yeah, at the right, end, the they show, people. they show the baby at the end in the, in the fire. So you don't know if he's dead or not. Oh, God. If only there had been a sequel. <laughs> if only there had been a sequel. Again, I just did not know what to expect. I'm thrilled that you picked this movie. Oh, good. <laughs> this movie is so absurd. But gives me a lot of insight into more of you. Just, oh, good. just understanding you a little bit more. You, you <laughs> little Katie, fucking are there, weirdo. <laughs> are there other, I guess, horror romance, horror films with a romance bent to it that you think would complement a viewing of this? I mean, that's... That's tough uh, because, well, like I said at the beginning, I had such a hard time even yeah. thinking about like oh, movies that romance movies in general. And then I was like, well, what movies are good? Well, for, like, Sleepwalkers, but that's incest. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, it follows, but that's more about sex and not about love. There's like two other zombie movies. What is it? One's with Aubrey Plaza. Was it like, what about Beth? Oh, Life after uh, Beth. Life after Beth. And then there's yeah. Nicholas Holt is in some warm, warm, warm bodies. Warm yeah. Bodies. So let's have like some romance. See, this is why I'm yeah. friends with you guys because all my just boyfriend's name back. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, my I boyfriend's fucking back. love my boyfriend's back. It's like I one of the early like forever. horror. I mean, it's life. It's it's life after Beth, basically, yeah. but with the genders switched. Yeah. 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 It was. It's really tough because a lot of the times, you know, like you have the man and a woman in love somehow and then one of them dies or one of them has to save the other one. But I wanted to pick this one because it's about them like trying to have love prevail. But it also shows the power, to get cheesy, it shows the power of love. Like, it does. If you, if you know that your person is in trouble or in distress, you will do what you can to help them to alleviate that from their lives and it it just so happens that for these cup this couple it involves fending off zombies and you know chopping them up into bits the couple that chops together stays together stays together <laughs> you guys had asked me what influenced it and what it has gone on to influence and of course it is one of the biggest influences of Shaun of the dead which is my all-time favorite so movie good. yeah i mean simon Pegg mentioned that in his autobiography so it's it's no question that this has gone on to influence other great films. I just, I still keep thinking about that priest kicking ass. You know, like he was so brusque at the beginning of and the film. Fit. He was yes. fit. And he was a silver fox like, priest. Silver fo fit silver fox priest. And he was like, well, he better get here or I'm going to send his mother home to the good Lord in his absence or something. And I was like, yes, daddy. Hello. <laughs> so then to see him, I'll get on my knees and pray with you. you know? <laughs> You'll get on your knees. To see him like come out and not be totally freaked out and totally scared and just be like, this is the devil. All right, now I have to fight the devil 
with martial arts and it was just yeah. so absurd and, and wonderful you just watch, yeah you just watch and say of course of course he can do that yeah. yeah he says stay back boy this calls for divine intervention <laughs> so good so i was i was looking up i mean granted this is a low budget horror film i was i wanted to look up what got best makeup that year at the oscars Ooh, what? mrs Doubt, mrs doubtfire oh well you know <laughs> and i would argue this has more this has more, more, more skill. I it's funny cuz a lot of it looks really campy but I don't think any of it looks bad. That's the thing is like I've seen horror movies with worse looking special effects. I actually uh, and and well, I could say the same about the acting too. I didn't think the acting was bad. At all. Yeah. The acting was great. Yeah, it was it fully leaned into the camp without being like, "Oh wow, you really actually suck at this." You know, it wasn't like awkward or wooden. It was yeah. It flowed smooth, like all of the blood <laughs> spilled throughout this well, film. Well, it's almost—it's almost like they, the actors were like, "I'm playing." They played it straight, you know. Yeah. They played it like this is. They—they did. They weren't playing as if they were in some campy movie, and I think that made it a better experience because I'm like, these people are taking this so seriously. This is so good because they—they don't think they're in some kind of they act treated it like they were in some drama you know yeah just don't take it seriously as an audience member and you'll really possibly enjoy it so so graham you would of course watch it again i think i would it's... not no i think i know i would i i, I would want to watch it with other people yeah it's it's one it's a fun one kind of like kind of like troll 2 that you that you yeah, watch I with mean, other people well troll 2 is awful Yes. But that's so these kinds of movies are you, you'd sit with your friend on a couch and not even watch the movie, but just watch your friend watching the movie to be like, what are they going to think of the scene? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best like that was one of the best parts of making you guys watch it today because I kept watching it and I'm laughing not only at the movie, but I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe what they're going to think about. Because I texted you and scene. said, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I would say I would not elect to watch this on my own. I mean, I I am not joking you. Like, as I've gotten older, my gag reflex has gotten so much stronger just at, like, seeing things and smells. I would re-watch it at a midnight showing akin to The Room um, or uh, Rocky Horror. So, like, yeah. if that happens, I would totally want to go because I want to be around more people who are like diehards and have jokes and just like notice all these little nuances where like I had to avert my eyes from the screen so I wouldn't get sick. <laughs> well, no, that, that custard scene is like, so I hadn't seen this in a few years. Like it's not something I watch all the time again, because it's, you don't it's put hard it on like once a year. It's not your crazy Shockingly film. No. I, I, this is, I would totally go to a midnight showing of this. Yeah, yeah. Same. Same. Okay. So what we need to do now is formulate or plan one of our GAC annual trips around a midnight <laughs> showing of this when travel is finally safe in 20... Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yes, It'll be great. You guys can come to Minnesota twice when I get married, and then we can also plan another trip around yep. a midnight showing. Or we could... Just, oh my God, you know what? I... Don't actually. I'm not gonna offer that we could watch it on my bachelorette weekend because no, no, that's too no, much. no. This movie's about me, that's not you. <laughs> you. No, this would definitely like we don't have like we could just have a midnight showing in my apartment or in yeah. my house. Yeah, yeah. that's I that do would be fun. Come to LA, so well, yeah. maybe by the end of 2021, 
it's safe and yeah, we could all come. God, I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. I'm so glad one that our friendship is still intact after. Well, as we say, this. as we say, friendship is suffering. Friendship is, friendship suffering. is suffering. So thank you for suffering. And it sounds like me. It sounds like Ashley suffered this week. <laughs> I know. So Ashley is going to introduce what we will be talking about next week. Speaking of suffering. Yeah, I was going to so. I was going to say on the note of friendship is suffering, I picked next week's movie because I wanted to torture Katie. <laughs> this is nowhere near my favorite romance movie. I literally I I kind of blank out when you guys are like, "Oh, this is the theme." And I'm like, uh, uh, like I, I just freeze or whatever. But I knew Katie had never seen this. It is a classic from Nicholas Sparks. Next week, we will be watching 2004's The Notebook. And let me tell you, I do love Ryan Gosling. I have a little bit of a Ryan Gosling obsession. He was once at a bar that I was at when I lived in L.A. He was apparently talking to the cowboy that was painted on the wall, or that's what somebody (laughs) told me. And this was, I think this preceded when he and Rachel, I think this movie is the reason why he and Rachel McAdams went on to make a very, very beautiful couple. So yeah, make sure you've gone to the dentist because we're going to watch a sickly, sweet, very typical romance movie next week. And you know what? I fully expect all of us to make fun of it. I've never seen it, so... So oh this is, is this our first theme where like all three movies we have not, we're introducing it completely to one another? Oh, I think, I so. think so. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. That's I'm, good. I can't, I know I'm going to cry. I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't want to cry. I don't want to feel anything. I don't, okay, I don't, I don't think you're going to, I think you're going to hate it. <laughs> oh, I probably will. I think you are going to hate it. And then I think, yeah, I think the only person who probably will cry in this is me <laughs> because it deals with <laughs> Alzheimer's. So like, well, you oh, might cry a little okay. bit. You have yeah, you you good. have a wonderful not cold black heart, and I joke that I have one, but it's because I'm a ball of mush. But we all know yeah. who has a cold black heart in this podcast, and it's not you or me, Graham. <laughs> it's your dog hawk. It's <laughs> <laughs> this guy in my who's, lap right who's here. Who's on your lap right now? <laughs> well, I can't wait. I think it's gonna be. F- we're gonna have fun with it. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. I will. Wa- I so I have been avoiding like. You know, I know we'll talk about it a bunch next week, but this is uh, this is my nemesis. I'm I'm not looking we'll, forward to it, but we'll go it'll be to that next week. It'll be fine. So, thank you all for for joining me. I hope that you're able to watch this movie because it is frigging amazing. And we will see you next week. Bye. 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 Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.